Welcome to CUCC Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. So we're at the end of our series on the book of Numbers. And the truth is, this book leaves us with a bit of a cliffhanger, right? Over the last seven weeks, we've read all the tough stuff, all the trials, the challenges, the uprisings, the pain. And by the end of the book, we're still not in the promised land. Not quite. We're getting close, but we're not quite there. And it's okay, because the Israelite story is far from over. You guys know me well enough. We're just going to keep reading this book. We're going to get to the rest of their story. But one storyline is drawing near an end, and that's Moses. We've been following him since last September, when we first started with the book of Exodus. We, We began with this little baby going down a river in a basket, and ever since then, we've been watching him grow, uh, develop as a leader, uh, as someone uh, on this journey that I don't think we would wish on, uh, on our closest friends. Um, but we've been watching him. We've been watching the ups and downs of his life, his life's work play out. And so today, today Moses is at the end of his own road. He can feel it. And and we're going to read between the lines a little bit. We're going to tell some stories. We're going to reflect on everything that brought him to where he is. And so during this sermon, and maybe this is true with all sermons, um, just be comfortable. Listen to the stories. If your mind gets pulled somewhere, if you end up thinking about the past or, or thinking about, about the future, it's okay. Don't fight it. Um, Often what what you end up thinking about during a sermon is just as important as what I end up saying. It's it's in that moment that that God might possibly do something. And so let us begin. Let's begin. We're just going to start reading by turning to Numbers 27 and verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, go up to this mountain and look at the land I've given to the Israelites You will see it, and then you will join your ancestors, just as Aaron, your brother, has. And so we stop already. I apologize to those of you that flipped to the passage, and I stopped reading by the time you even got there. God calls Moses to to a third and final mountaintop moment. God invites Moses to climb a mountain to look out at the promised land that is about to be the people's, and then tells him he will join his brother Aaron, who's recently died, and and all of his ancestors who had come before him. Moses isn't as young as he once was, and so it's gonna take him much longer to climb this third and final mountain. And as Moses prepares for this hike, you can only imagine the thoughts and memories that must have been going through his mind. Now you can only imagine that without a future to dream about, he looks back and wonders if if he did enough, if he trusted enough, if he's leaving the people with enough for them to continue their journey without him. 
like a, like a role of film playing in the back of his mind. I imagine that, that he had flashbacks into that moment, uh, flashbacks into his childhood, a childhood that was, was marked with trauma and, and loss. As you remember, he was born at the exact time that an Egyptian empire was killing newborn baby boys so as to control a growing population of slaves. His mother and some midwives risked everything to keep him hidden and alive until his tears and his crying became too loud and his mere presence put too many people at risk. And so they placed him in a basket and let him float down a river Shockingly, he was found and taken in. And not by just anyone, he was found by the Pharaoh's daughter and was raised in the palace. And that may sound like a story tale ending, right? A best case scenario, but it didn't take him long to realize that he didn't fit in, that he didn't belong there. And so dissonance develops, his inner conflict grows until one day he has a complete identity crisis that manifests in, in violent rage. He kills an Egyptian with his bare hands after watching him assault some other slaves. And everything changed. Right? All of his childhood traumas, all of his repressed feelings bubbled to the surface and for Moses it didn't go well. And while I doubt any of us can, can relate with the particularities of his childhood, I'm sure, I'm sure some of us get a, a sense of what he might have been feeling Childhood trauma, childhood loss, inner conflict that we knew we'd have to deal with at some point but kept putting off, anger, anxiety, insecurity, depression, feelings that we hoped would never become too strong in our life. And maybe like Moses, the conflict in those early years caused us to make some mistakes. Maybe caused us to, to hurt someone to hurt people we loved. And now like Moses, maybe we're left wondering if those mistakes might preclude us from happiness, might preclude us from wholeness, might preclude us from, from doing the, the kind of good in the world that we know we're capable of. I imagine Moses moved on from thinking about those dark early years pretty quickly and found himself reflecting on, on his first mountaintop experience. See, after fleeing Egypt, he finds a new community, he gets married, and Moses finds himself standing on the side of a mountain next to a burning bush. And out of this bush came a voice, a voice that he didn't recognize at the time, but a voice that he would grow to, to know and to trust. It was God, the divine, the I am who I am, and the voice was calling to him. It was the single greatest moment in Moses' life. It was the moment that Moses allowed himself to dream again. The moment Moses knew that there was more to life than meets the eye. In that moment, he might have realized that, that his childhood traumas, that, that his life experiences as a royal foster kid in a, in a foreign palace might have been preparing him for something. And something huge that God might have a plan for him that is so much bigger than he could have ever imagined. And friends, I, I can only hope 
that, that you have come to, to know the power of such a moment in your life? Probably not a singular burning bush moment, but maybe multiple moments of, of inner clarity scattered throughout your life story. Moments when you became aware that there is more to life, more to your life than meets the eye. Moments where, where past pain, hurt, internal conflict and loss started to feel more like an in integrated part of your story and less like some dark thing that was, that was just to be pushed aside. Moments where you stood on top of a mountain and felt tapped into the source. Moments in which you came to know our God. And you know that, that it's not something that you can force. It's not content to be memorized. It's, it's not something that I or any program can produce for you, your children, your loved ones. It's something that you bump into. Better yet, something that, that bumps into you. You can get better at recognizing it, better at, at remaining open to it, but it's not a consumable product that you can purchase and enjoy when you're ready. It's spirit. It's energy. It's the presence of a God who can change everything. I can only hope that like Moses, you know the warm glow of such moments and that you take time to remember them for they are, they are healing moments that can keep you going. And boy, would Moses need that moment. So he had a lot of healing to do and a lot of life to still live a life that would prove to be really hard at times. While still slowly preparing for his final mountain, I bet he could remember with great clarity the first time he stepped back into Egypt. His home, I guess. The first time he caught a glimpse of the palace that he grew up in. The only difference was this time he returned as a man on a mission a man filled with the power of, of God, a man called to, to rescue a nation of slaves from the most powerful empire in the known world. You can only imagine how elevated his heart rate must have been, the thoughts that were racing through his mind, how fearfully excited he was to finally get to start his life's work only to realize that Pharaoh was not gonna make it easy on him and that the people he was there to help didn't trust him. They could, they could smell privilege of empire all over him. And so maybe you remember Moses couldn't solely rely on himself. He needed his brother to stand beside him. He needed the perspective and experience of one who knew and had lived the pain of the people he was trying to help. And it didn't happen overnight. At one point, Moses felt completely alone. The Pharaoh said he'd kill him if he ever stepped foot in the palace again. And the people said they didn't want anything to do with him, that his hero complex was actually making their life worse. And, and Moses had to dig deep. He had to remember his calling and once again tap into the source to keep going. And I bet the following days were just a complete blur plagues, Passover, death, freedom, 
a momentary feeling of being abandoned by God at the Red Sea only to watch God split the sea in half and the whole community prayed down the middle. What on earth had he signed up for? Maybe your life has progressed, right? As you got settled into your career, your calling, your life's work. Maybe you've experienced some success. Things were really progressing as you'd hoped, maybe even better than you hoped. The, the kids are thriving. The work-life balance was fulfilling. It seemed like God was blessing you, taking care of you, like the trials and trauma of your past were being silenced by the sound of success. And, and then when you least expected it, let down, complete and utter letdown. As Moses replaced the, the first time the people complained to him, complained about him. To this day, it still boggles his mind how it took no time for the people to forget the amazing things that God had done right before their eyes. How within weeks, literally weeks of being freed from Egypt, they began the cycle of complaint. Moses had worked so hard to convince them that he was one of them, but he quickly learned the hard lesson of leadership. You might be one of them while things are going smoothly, but it doesn't take too many bumps in the road for the people to look for someone to blame. And sadly, this is how Moses spends the, the last 40 years of his life. There was this growing separation between Moses and the people. You know, he tried to introduce them to the presence of God. God even showed up in the camp with a cloud and lightning and the people were afraid. And they said, no, you meet with God and tell us what God says. We don't want that. And so Moses builds a tent, the tent of meetings. And he even had to physically place it outside the camp so he could go there and meet with God alone and, and come back. But it wasn't all bad. It was in this season that he experienced his, his second mountaintop moment. Right, as Moses climbed Mount Sinai and experienced the presence of God in a whole new way. God's full, true presence passed right in front of him and we read that, that God was so close to him that for days his body glowed. It was as if Moses had been filled with spirit. But while he was meeting with God on the mountain, the community he cared so deeply for kept building idols, breaking covenants, kept complaining, fighting, starting real and scary uprisings. Even a sneak peek, a taste of them big grapes were not enough to quench the people's thirst. They were done following God, done following Moses. And the truth is, I think God was done watching the people turn their back on, on promise. So we read stories of earthquakes, fire, loss, fear, all the things that Moses had hoped would have just stayed in Egypt, but they bubbled to the surface again. You see, God promised their ancestor Abraham a people, a people as numerous as the stars in the sky, and God promised to bless them to completely bless them so that they might bless the whole world and this community in the wilderness learned the hard lesson that God was not, allow, was not about to allow uh, entitlement 
or toxic complaint to, to get in the way of fulfilling that promise. So there are 40 years of ups and downs, followed by more ups and downs. Moses had some pretty amazing moments where he was able to elevate above the noise and model faithful living. And other moments, moments where he struck out in anger, moments where he made everything about himself. There was no straight line to purpose or, or inner peace and joy for Moses. It was a journey. Uh, one that's drawing near as he prepares for this final mountain. And maybe that's the season you find yourself in. Maybe you've learned a life full of lessons from the many ups and downs. Maybe you find yourself naturally reflecting on life more than dreaming about the future. You've lived enough life that you're now able to elevate yourself above the noise. It's almost like you're standing on a mountaintop of sorts, able to replay moments of your life with, with more clarity and perspective than ever before. Well, you may wonder if you did enough, gave enough, blessed enough, you now get to watch the next generation work their way through their own journey of ups and downs. Things just seem to make more sense than they used to. The air is a little clearer. You begin to get a sense that the human story is greater than any single life, that, that one's personal legacy is far more than how many things they can stamp their name on and more about how many people's lives are better because they lived. And so we turn back to Moses as he has reflected on all that has brought him to where he now stands. And, and we go back to the text for a second. And we hear how his last desire was to make sure that the story didn't end with him, that the people would be able to keep moving. And so we continue reading in, in verse 15. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, let the Lord, the God of all living things, appoint someone over the community, someone who will go out before them and return before them, someone who will lead them out and bring them back so that the Lord's community won't be like a sheep without a shepherd. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, a character we're gonna become familiar with in the fall, wink, wink. Take Joshua, Nun's son, a man who has the spirit, and, and lay your hand on him. Place him before the Eleazar, the priest, and, and the entire community, and commission him before them. God says to Moses, you will give him some of your power so that the entire Israelite community will obey. He will stand before Eleazar, the priest, who will determine for him the decisions by lot before the Lord. At his command, he and all the Israelites with him will enter the entire community, will go out, and at his command, they will return. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and placed him before Eleazar the priest and the entire community. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken. This ends our reading of scripture this morning. And friends, we don't have to say goodbye to Moses quite yet. Just like the Joshua reference, I'm giving little vague references of what we're gonna do in the next couple months, but not enough detail that I'm accountable for them. So in August, at some point, 
We will stand next to Moses at the top of this final mountain. We will hear his final words, his parting sermon, which essentially is the book of Deuteronomy. Today we simply remember his story, his journey, the many mountains and valleys that that shaped him into the moral exemplar and the exemplar of faithful leadership that he's remembered to, uh, to this day. And we finish, we finish by considering what I think is the single greatest lesson from his life, the one truth that stayed with him throughout it all, and to do so, we go back all the way to Exodus chapter three, all the way to his very first mountaintop experience with God. You may remember when he bumped into the burning bush while feeling the source of life pull him into something completely scary and new. Moses said to God, but who am I? Who am I that you would send me? Does anybody remember what God said back? I know Patty will because of her face sharing story. Moses says, who am I, God? And God simply says, I will be with you. Yeah, but who am I? I will be with you. But what about my past? I will be with you. But what if it doesn't work out? I will be with you. What about the letdown? What about the moments when people turn on me? I will be with you. And what about the end? Like the real end when I'm left wondering if I was enough. I will be with you. And God remained faithful to Moses throughout all the ups and downs. No matter what happened to Moses, God was with him. And so friends, no matter if you're struggling to move past a childhood trauma, a deep wound, a pain that just won't go away, God is with you. No matter if you're struggling to forgive yourself from from pain that you caused, hurt that you can't take back, God is with you. No matter if you are enjoying the heights of life, the joy of community, family at its best, or you're feeling alone, isolated, thrown under a bus. God is with you. No matter if you are still dreaming about your future or nearing the end of your road, God is with you. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, God is with you. God has always been with you and God will always be with you. So friends, the the story of Moses, uh, the story of us all, amen.